0: Gracious Heavenly Father, please speak to us and teach us through your word this morning. Help us to understand what these verses mean and please change us that we might live in light of them to your honour and glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you had the experience of being in a familiar world, uh, somewhere you know, but you realise you're different Things have changed. You're a, a square peg in a round hole. You you know this place, but you see it differently. Uh, in 1996, I entered Grace Dane's High School. You may be going, 1996, that makes you very young, Adam. Uh, it wasn't because I entered as a student. Uh, I entered there as a staff member. I wasn't dressed in my old school uniform, I was actually dressed in pants and a tie. From 1985 to 1990 I was a student, now I was back as a teacher. And it was awkward making the jump from student to staff. Everywhere I turned there were signs of two worlds. Uh, All these students would walk into the classroom with pens in their hands, yet I'd walk in and I'd have chalk in my hands. I was a maths teacher. We love to put chalk on the board everywhere. Uh, the teachers are now my colleagues. The maths staff room had a desk inside for me to sit at rather than one outside to sit out for detention. Don't laugh. God in his great sense of humour, the desk I sat at was the desk of the teacher who gave me most of those detentions. I knew the surroundings, but I was different. And the new me had demands that change my ways in that place. See, who we are shapes how we live, even in what have been familiar surroundings. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you may have familiar surroundings, but you do not belong to this world. You are an ambassador of the king, the ruler of this world. When you became a disciple of Christ, the world didn't change. You did. And you were given a new role in this world with demands that go deep. And the challenge of these verses is, are you living the new you? Are you living the life of the king's ambassador? Jesus uses three images in these verses to illustrate the life of the king's ambassadors. Uh, There's the salt of the earth, the city on the hill, and the lamb under a bowl. And each highlight demands that that do go deep uh, and press into our lives. The first image is the salt of the earth. Uh, It's there in verse 13. And it highlights that the disciples of Christ remind the world of the promises of God. The salt of the earth remind the world of the promises of God. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. If you're a disciple of Christ, Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. Now, what is salt? The scientist says NaCl, a very stable compound that doesn't lose its flavour. Most of us would say it's the white stuff on the table, the one with the fewer holes in it that you can shake, and it's the stuff that makes chips taste really great. Going way back, people would have told you it's a preservative that was as important as refrigerators are for us today for preserving food. Salt flavours and salt preserves. Salt is durable and it is lasting. Salt loses its saltiness not by, by going off because it's past its use by date. Salt loses its saltiness by being diluted. Now the Beatitudes, those verses from 3 to 12 that we've been looking at over the last four weeks, they've described the character of Christ's disciples. A character that will flavour the world, that will change the world, uh, challenge the world's thinking and flip the world's thinking on its head. It's a flavour that will preserve the world. Not everyone... Put your hand up. Who doesn't like salt? There's a few of you. Don't read your labels too closely because there's salt through virtually everything. But um, not everyone likes the taste of salt. Just like the salt of the earth that we are, not everyone will like that flavour, that taste. So persecution will often follow. But also for those who savour the taste. Look at the second line of all those Beatitudes from 3 to 12. Those who savour the taste of the salt, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. They'll inherit the earth. They'll be filled. They'll be shown mercy. They'll see God. They will be called children of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But if the salt is diluted, if that character is diluted and watered down, what good is it? We add salt to our food, not because the salt that's in the food isn't being salt. We add it because the salt has been diluted and we want a stronger flavour. We want to notice it. We want to taste it. Uh, In the Old Testament, salt is an image that crops up in a number of important places, but not in a way that stands out to our modern ears. Uh, It wasn't really until I sat down this week and was was thinking through it that I really took any notice of it. Who's read Leviticus chapter 2 lately? Les, did you take note of uh, chapter 2 and the grain offerings and the salt that had to be used? You really did? I trust you. You're a man who wouldn't lie to me. I'm very surprised that someone has been reading Leviticus 2 and took notice of the salt. It's there, it was used in the grain offering. The grain offering was a, a memorial a remembrance offering. And uh, what was happening with that was asking God to remember his covenant with his people, asking God to remember his promises to the people. And so we just saw with Joshua they entered the promised land, entered uh, Canaan, driving the people out, and the offerings were part of life as the people of God. And part of that was these grain offerings, these remembrance offerings, where salt was a key feature. See, salt was the symbol, was one of those symbols of Israel's relationship with God. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples, you as my disciples, you are now the symbol of God's covenant with his people. We are the symbol, if you are a believer in Christ, you are a symbol to the world of the promises of God, of the relationship people can have with God because of Christ. So the Israelites were not to leave the salt out of their grain offerings. And the disciples are not to dilute the taste of the kingdom. We need to keep that flavour of God in the world. Jesus declares, my disciples are the salt of the earth. And it's as we live true to who we are in Christ, true to the character described in those Beatitudes, that we are the salt of the earth. Now persecution will come as we live as people in relationship with God. But the world needs saving because it is poor in spirit. It is spiritually bankrupt because we are all sinners. Not all will like it. That's why persecution will come to the faithful. But as the salt of the earth, we remind people of God's promise to save. God's promise of the kingdom to all who will come to him, trusting in Jesus for salvation. But if we dilute our faith, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, You could read that and think, if we're going to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, what does that mean? That the world's going to crush us and persecute us. But, well, no, the persecution comes when we actually are salty and the flavour is noticed. So I don't think it's persecuted. I think it's much more the sense of people just roll on past. They'll just pass by. We'll be ignored. We won't be noticed. And not so much that we won't be noticed, but God won't be noticed and the promises of God won't be highlighted. See, the deluded disciples of Christ, the symbol of life with God, the hope of the kingdom of heaven, the hope and promise of salvation for the world, diluted disciples are unnoticed. We just look like the rest of the world, just like dust under the feet. But where dust is is annoying, salt is precious, flavouring, preserving life. Are you a disciple of Jesus? You are the salt of the earth. If you're a disciple of Jesus, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, let who you are flavour the world around you. Our world is desperate to inherit the earth and to preserve their life, to be full and satisfied. And we, the blessed, eternal life is ours. We will inherit the earth. We will be comforted at filled, shown mercy. We will see God and we will be with God. One of the things that really struck me, if you're a believer, there is no more important person in this world than you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the testimony, the symbol, the reminder of God's promises to the world that find their fulfilment in the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Which brings us to the second image, the city on the hill. Uh, The city on the hill is there for all to see. You can't miss it. Now, it's easy to say. It's a little awkward to think about. Can people see clearly that you are a disciple of Christ? Is it as obvious as a city on a hill? You are the light of the world, says verse 14, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, I, we've pushed hard over the last four weeks thinking about our character and are we living out that character. Uh, we haven't pushed as hard on the second half of those Beatitudes of, of who we are. We've been mentioning them and reminding ourselves of them. But I think it's really important, and uh, these verses of, uh, drum at home. Uh, stop worrying about can people... See who I am for a second. Be a city on a hill. Be a disciple of Christ. Be the blessed. Live as the one approved by God in Christ. The day I walked back into Greystanes High in 1996, I was a teacher. I didn't have to try to be. I didn't have to show it. We didn't have to work out whether the kids could tell the difference between me being a student or being a teacher. I had to be the teacher. I had to stand at the front of the room and teach the class. I had to love those students and help them grow in their understanding. And everyone would recognise it, which is the point of the image, Be that city on the hill. People will recognize it. People will see that you are something different. Uh, In the Old Testament, when the the prophets looked ahead to the last days, the, the days when the Messiah had come, once the Lord Jesus had come, they had a vision of the city of Jerusalem, of Zion, being raised up as the tallest of all mountains. And that from that vantage point the blessing of God would be provided and go out to all the nations, God's teaching to the nations. They had this vision that the last day, Zion, Jerusalem, would be the light of the world as salvation flowed from Israel to the nations. And we've been hearing this idea of blessing in the big picture story Bible that, that Israel, the people of God, are the, the people that, through which the world is blessed. Jesus is saying to his disciples, be the light. Israel, as the people of God, were always meant to be. Of course, we need to ask the question sitting here now, who are the people of God today? Do we all need to move to that geographical area called Israel and shine a light around the world from there? No, Jesus is saying that his disciples, all of us who trust in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, are the people of God. We are like little cities on the hill, shining that light out, being obvious. Historically, have you ever noticed as you go around uh, towns in Australia where the churches usually are, particularly the Anglican and the Catholic churches who got in first? On the top of the hill. I suspect that they had this passage in mind. But Jesus is talking people not buildings the obvious public statement of a a building on on top of the hill or a big community event and presence can be helpful but it's as the people of God as the people of God reorient their lives around Jesus that we fulfill our calling as the light of the world it's exciting as people see you are a disciple of Christ, they are a step closer to salvation as the light of Christ in you is shining into the darkness of the world. My nephew plays cricket with the son of a former Australian test cricketer. He's happiest not being recognised as a test cricketer. That's not the heart of, of who he is. But a disciple of Christ, that is the very heart of who we are. It's brilliant when people recognise that because that light is shining. I often wonder how we can reach the 40,000 people that live between Ropes Crossing and the Nepean River, that they too might become disciples of Christ with us. Jesus is keeping it pretty simple for us here. As you live out the character of a disciple, that character described in the Beatitudes, we won't be hidden. We will be noticed. And more importantly, Christ will be made known. I was going to take a picture last night. We're slightly up the hill from here. And at night, particularly if the streetlights are actually off, you can see this glow from from down south, the glow of Penrith, just sort of shining up. There's a few heads nodding. Others have seen it before. That's the glow of our lives. We want to encourage and challenge and support one another to be living, that there's a glow from us, a light that points to Christ. Now, I did talk last week about our beatitude blockages, which which parts of those beatitudes don't you quite believe and isn't quite shaping who you live? If you recognise in the beatitudes an area you struggle with, share it with someone so they can ask how you are going, so that your light might shine, that you might be a more obvious city on the hill. You know, we've all seen... People, after they've had medical blockages removed and seen the amazing difference it makes, there's no reason it won't be the same in our Christian life. You are the light of the world. And like a city built on a hill, a disciple built on the Beatitudes, on the character of Christ, walking with Christ, you cannot be hidden. You will be noticed. Which brings us to the final little illustration that jesus uses the lamp under the bowl there is a way not to be noticed that is cover up the light cover up who you are Uh, verse 15 neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on a stand it gives light to everyone in the house do you know jesus as savior have you put your trust in jesus If so, the light has been lit. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus, you are still in darkness. The light of life, eternal life, the fullness of life, life in relationship with God, it is not yours. You remain cut off and you will remain cut off from God because of your sin. The only answer is Jesus the one who died for your sins and rose again as judge and ruler of the world. Those who turn to him in faith, he saves. He saves now and lights that lamp. If you need to turn to Jesus and enter into life, come and speak with me up the front after the service. I'd love to talk to you more about that. If you already trust in Jesus, it's honesty time. Have you grabbed a bowl and put it over yourself? Have you gone sort of into Christian witness protection? We're actually more like Undercover Boss, not a fugitive in witness protection. Uh, In Undercover Boss, if you've ever seen the show... A boss or someone high up in the company goes undercover, he dresses and goes amongst the workers and and spends some time working with them. But the show has an ending because the boss meets the employees and reveals who he is and he shines the light of his business and he wants the light of the business to shine brighter. And so even though they go undercover, the point is to make themselves known. We go undercover into the world. The purpose is to make ourselves known. Who are you? A child of God. One who will inherit the earth. A member of the kingdom of heaven. One who will be filled because you hunger and thirst for righteousness. The difference between us and the undercover boss is we don't wait for the end of the show. We don't wait for Jesus to return to take the bowl off our head and blow the disguise. If people are to be saved, we need to lift the lid on who we are now. We go into the world to reveal and make known who we are. See, we go into the world taking the Beatitudes the character of the one approved by God, the character of Christ. We go into the world taking that seriously. And when we do that, what happens? Verse 16, people see God. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our good deeds, not our niceties, but our godly living our Godward deeds, they will be seen. And what is seen in them is the light of God, the glory of God. He will be glorified. He will be seen for who he is, the God who saves. The God who saves through his Son dying in our place as a substitute for our sin. If you are a disciple of Christ... You are an ambassador of the King. That is who we are. Do you find yourself as a Christian quickly forgetting who you are? Not deliberately, just inadvertently. You sort of walk out of the room and someone cuts you off and you just forget who you are straight away. I didn't forget that quickly as a teacher. I was, I was dressed differently to the students. I knew my role was different to theirs. And everyone recognised the difference. We are the king's ambassadors in this place. As we dress differently, not in clothes but in character and as we know our role is different to the world around us, which is trying to grab the world, but we already have the world, the difference will be recognised. God will be glorified. Don't get me wrong, it's tough living in someone else's household. But like the undercover boss, do you know what? We are actually owners of this world, of this household, as we stand with Christ. This is his world. If you have put your trust in Christ, you are one of his people, one of his children. We are his ambassadors. So, friends, if you're in Christ, puff out your chest. Be who you are. That is what is best for this world, that we be who we are. Because as we do, as we are the soul of the the world, soul of the earth, flavouring and preserving the world, as we stand as that city on the hill and as we let that light shine, not by putting a bowl over us but letting it shine, God is seen. People will come to know the Lord Jesus and they'll be saved and join us as the people of God. Puff out your chest, friends. We are the king's ambassadors, the very most important people in the world, and the only hope for the world, because we're the sign and the symbol and the people who point them to the Lord Jesus, where there is true hope. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Christ you save not because we deserve it, but out of your grace and love. Help those of us who've put our trust in the Lord Jesus to live as your chosen people. Help us to puff out our chests and live as your ambassadors. Help us to puff out our chests not because of how great we are, but of how great you are and what you've done and what you give us in and through the Lord Jesus. Father, help those who see you through us to turn and repent and come into new life through faith in Jesus. Father, protect us when we're persecuted. Help us to remember that we are, you are with us, and you will overcome the world, as will all who stand with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.